welcome to DAC Beechcroft's Lawcast. Uh, my name's Nikki Fairbairn. Uh, I'm a partner in the commercial real estate team here. Uh, so this is another instalment in our new Property Headache series of podcasts. Uh, in this edition, I'm going to be talking to, to one of our wonderful knowledge lawyers, Stephanie Bagshaw. Um, Steph's going to talk us through something that's high up on a lot of radars at the moment, uh, radars for occupiers and developers, investors and, and managers, and that's around the energy efficiency of the buildings that they that they own and operate. Um, particularly focusing on the regulations that are being imposed on them. Um, so, Steph, if I bring you in at this point, I think maybe let's start with an easy question. What are MEES regulations? Hi, Nikki. Yes, um, not exactly an easy question. These <laughs> regulations are those which introduce minimum standards for energy efficiency in buildings. And really trying to explain them in a nutshell is um, quite difficult it's fairly complex legislation and it's intertwined with the EPC regulations, which I think everyone knows in themselves are pretty complicated. But at its most basic level, what the regulations aim to achieve is um, to encourage landlords to carry out energy efficiency improvement works to achieve a better rating, an EPC rating for their properties and it, to make it a breach of the legislation to continue to let or let property which is substandard. And at the moment, a property is substandard if, if it has an EPC rating of below E, although we do know this is likely to be um, revised in the future according with, in accordance with government consultations which have been ongoing. And the regulations contain two significant trigger dates, really. And the first, I think, which we were all familiar with was from the 1st of April 2018. And from that date, it was a breach of the regulations to grant new leases of properties where the property was substandard. And the second trigger came into force earlier this year. And this is the reason I think um, the regulations are so high on people's agenda and why they're being talked about at the moment. So from the 1st of April this year, this was the start of the prohibition on continuing existing leases of substandard property. So non-domestic property where the rating was below E, and this will, of course, have really wide implications across the whole of the sector. Are there any exemptions in that case, something that a landlord can pin their hopes on, maybe? Yeah, so the prohibition isn't absolute. Landlords will be glad to hear. And, and landlords are permitted to continue to let substandard property either if all the relevant energy efficiency improvements have been made and the property remains substandard or one of the exemptions which are set out in the regulations apply. And I imagine the rules around those exemptions are actually quite complicated, Steph. Are you able to sort of give us a brief outline about which of them might be available to some of our landlords? Yes, you're right. They are a little bit complex. Um, in brief, there's a seven-year payback exemption. So this means that if the costs of making the improvements are not cost-effective, the landlord can be exempted from carrying out the works. So it's a pretty onerous test for a landlord. And what they need to show is that the expected value of the savings on energy bills, which they'll make as a consequence of the works, is less than the cost of actually carrying the works out. There's also a consent exemption. So if the landlord requires consent to carry out the work, so this might be from a local planning authority, for example, or maybe a tenant um, where you'd need their permission to access the premises to carry out the works. 
so I think from a transactional perspective, that means you don't actually want to reserve rights automatically for the landlord to carry out those works then. Well, not not necessarily. I'd, I I wouldn't really recommend that as a, a an approach, to be honest with you, because to rely on that exemption, the consent exemption, a landlord will need to show they've used reasonable in uh, reasonable efforts to obtain the consent. And whilst there's no real guidance at the moment about what reasonable efforts might mean, to me it seems likely that even if there were no rights reserved for the landlord in the lease they'd at least need to be able to demonstrate that they've made um, an approach to the tenant for consent. And they do need to provide evidence that um, they've entered into correspondence with the tenant requesting that consent. So in terms of the remaining exemptions, there's, uh, there's also a devaluation exemption. If the landlord can demonstrate that the cost of the works would re result in a reduction of more than 5% in the market value of the property, and as I mentioned earlier, if the landlord can demonstrate that all the energy efficiency improvements have been carried out and the property remains substandard, again, they're excused from carrying out those works. There's a need to register these exemptions on a PRS register. And at the time of registering your exemption, you do need to provide evidence to show that you are relying on appropriate exemptions. And generally, they only last for around five years and then they have to be reapplied for again. So actually, we've talked a bit about sort of future proofing to some extent and what you have to have on your radar as you enter into um, arrangements. But how do you know if or how do you know Mies applies to an existing or continuing tenancy at the moment? Well, if there are a couple of things that you need to be looking out for and questions you need to be asking. So first, is the property rented? So if the property is occupied by the owner, Mies won't apply. It only applies where the property is being rented out. So you need to consider whether the property is substandard. And as I mentioned earlier, at the moment, a property is substandard where the EPC rating is below E. It needs to fall within the definition of non-domestic property and that the, this is set out in the regulations. It needs to be in England and Wales. It needs to be let under a qualifying tenancy. And very broadly speaking, that's not a very short-term lease or a very long lease. And then finally, it needs to be a property that has or is required to have an EPC. And this is one which has led to a little bit of confusion because the EPC regulations, as I mentioned earlier, are a little bit complex and it's sometimes difficult to establish whether an EPC is required. Go on then, unfortunately, I'm going to, have to expand on that a bit more, Steph. How do, how do you find out if the property has or actually you know, does need a, a valid EPC? So the obligation to procure an EPC arises on the marketing or letting of the property, very broadly speaking. And if an EPC is expired prior to the 1st of April, then the landlord is continuing to let the property. But on the face of it, because there's no requirement for an EPC, there's no trigger for the Mies regulations. And some observers have said that this is a little bit of a loophole really and that the absence of a valid EPC could therefore be helpful to a landlord um, where the property is potentially substandard and is currently let or continues to be let. But I, I think that interpretation is probably not entirely within the spirit of the regulations and I think it's one that the government is likely to, um, a loophole which the government is likely to try and close and I know they are looking um, at trying to require that all properties should have an EPC in the future. So we've talked a bit about EPCs and the regulations so we understand what we should be doing. 
what happens if it goes wrong? What are the consequences of, of breaches? So there are a number of breaches which um, can be made under the regulations. They're breaches of the restrictions on letting. There are, there's a penalty for providing false or misleading information on the exemptions register and for failing to comply with a compliance notice. So if you're told that you should um, carry out the energy efficiency improvement works and you fail to comply, then that's also a breach. The enforcement authority can also impose a publication penalty in addition to or in substitution of a financial penalty for breaches. And if it imposes a publication penalty, then the details about the breach will be entered onto the exemptions register and will be publicly accessible. So this will have reputational consequences for those who do breach the regulations. So it's a penalty. It doesn't actually mean that the lease is invalid. Yeah, that's right. So a lease of the substandard property will still be valid and enforceable. And under that lease, the tenant will still be obliged to pay the rent and the service charge and any other payments that are required to be paid by the tenant. Both parties must observe the covenants in the lease and neither party will be entitled to terminate the tenancy on the grounds of non-compliance with the regulations. And a landlord won't be able to require a tenant to vacate just because the property is substandard. I wonder, does that mean if, if, if you're listening to this as a tenant, are you going to be lulled into thinking, well, we don't actually need to worry about the regulations? I don't think that's entirely the case. Tenants need to be aware of the regulations, particularly if they, for example, are underlet in their property, because for the purposes of the regulations, they become the landlord um, of any underlease and they are required to comply with the regulations in the same way. Also, I think what landlord, um, tenants and landlords must be thinking about is the costs and timings of any works and taking some advice on what cost-effective improvements could be made, which might improve the EPC ratings for the property. And also uh, trying to understand whether there are any more substantial works which could be carried out now, which may deliver a longer-term benefit in the future. So where tenants are taking a new lease, for example, it might worth might be worth them considering this exercise as part of their property due diligence and if there are any works which they identify which could be carried out to bring the property up to standard um, the best course of action I think would probably be to oblige the landlord to carry out these works prior to lease completion obviously there's a bargaining um, a negotiation which needs to happen between the landlord and tenant as to who pays the costs of these works and this might come out through the lease provisions and landlords on tenants, I think, will be looking very closely at the service charge provisions in the leases which they have in place at the moment, but also in new leases and looking at whether the landlord will be able to recoup the cost of any works through the service charge provisions. And I think this is probably something we expect to see more disputes on in future. We talked a little bit about reserved rights as well, and tenants need to think about where um, the landlords are reserving rights to come on and carry out the works if they want to consent, if they want a right to consent to the landlord to come on and carry out those works and the potential for disruption to their business while those works are being carried out. And again, to think about who is funding the cost of those works. That's great. Thanks, Steph. I'm going to take you back actually to one of the comments you made right at the beginning of this session, which was around the current standard being E. Um, but you mentioned that this is likely going to be revised fairly soon. I mean, do, what, what do we know about the proposals around that? So there have been a number of consultations that the government have carried out in relation to MEs and EPCs. 
And what we do know is that they are proposing that the minimum standard will be revised to a C rating by 2027 and a B rating by 2030. So obviously this has caused some shockwaves within the market and these changes are likely to come very soon. So what we're advising clients is that where you do have a property, which has a rating below B now, there's a real possibility that in the near future, it will be deemed to be substandard and that will then trigger the requirements under the means regulations. And what we're saying is that landlords and tenants should try to bear this in mind now and do as much as they can to address the practicalities of complying with means regulations and effectively try to future-proof their properties a little bit in readiness for the changes. Thanks, Steph. I mean, it's clearly going to be an area where um, there is a lot of development rapidly over the next few years, and it's going to have uh, a lot of wide-reaching consequences, I think, for the property sector. So it will be important that, that we all in the industry try to keep up to date with all of these developments. But um, thank you, Steph, for, for outlining what we know so far and what may be to follow. Uh, thanks for taking the time to chat us through all of this, and I'm sure there will be more. Thanks again, Steph. Thanks, Nikki.